0: How are we doing today? There we go, there we go. I can see you guys a little better now. Hey, if we have not met before, my name is Caleb and I have the honor and privilege to get to serve alongside my wife as the youth pastor here at BCA. And we are so glad that you all could be here with us on the start of our Christmas series, this Christmas season as we get to celebrate and do so many things together in the coming weeks and all of that. And it is, again, an honor for me to get to kick off Uh, We just got to have Thanksgiving, which is great for my wife and I don't know about you guys, if you guys got to go and spend time with family and that sort of a thing. We got to go down to California to spend some time with her family, which was a great and awesome time. And then yesterday we got to go over to my parents and have some Thanksgiving dinner leftovers, which I don't know about you, I think leftover Thanksgiving is almost tastes better It almost tastes a little better when you have the leftover ham or turkey and the potatoes and the sweet potatoes. There's something about it where the microwave just gets it just right. And it ends up being good. And hey, even if for some reason it wasn't the best the first time, like whenever people, people will always have it where if, hey, the turkey got a little burnt on the first time, you never complain if it was burnt when you were microwaving it the second day. So it was good and it was a good time. And we hope you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving as well. But today we're kicking off a new series. We are diving in to this season that is known throughout church history as Advent. You see, if you are new to church, new to faith, or maybe you're just new to this kind of terminology with Christian faith and that sort of a thing, the term Advent is one that has been used for many, many years, 2,000 some years to be able to commemorate the time of remembrance of Jesus. Jesus' arrival into this world. You see, the word Advent is actually one that was co-opted from the Roman time when they would celebrate the arrival of a new king or emperor and that sort of a thing. And so as we celebrate Advent, it's 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 actually looking and remembering the true king and the fact that he has arrived and his name is Jesus. And we get to celebrate that to this day and not only remember the fact during this season that Jesus at one time was born into this world, but the reality that he is coming again and he has promised that to us. And so we get to celebrate this season and remember what Jesus has done, but also what he will continue to do. And we get to do that not just as a local community, but with Christians all around the world and Christians who have done so throughout all of history. And so this is going to be a special time, and I encourage you to lean in during this season. You see, for this collection of talks, we are naming it, He is Called. We are looking at the things that Jesus is referred to, the things that Jesus is called. We see this laid out by the prophet Isaiah as being the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. You see, throughout this Advent season as a church, we have an opportunity to gather on Sundays and we'll be hearing messages on all these different things Jesus referred to and called. But also we have an opportunity as a community to be able to read through Scripture together as we're going to be starting a reading plan that our ushers are handing out to you guys that you guys are going to be able to look at, to see, and every single day journey through this month on a journey through scripture to see all that Jesus is, to see more and more about who Christ is in our lives and more and more about what the scripture has to say about him. So I encourage you guys to read along with us on that. And next Sunday, we are going to be kicking off the official Advent season on December 3rd. And you guys won't wanna miss all the different special elements we'll be having within service as we have this time of remembrance and celebration and all of that. I think I hit everything about Advent for us today. Now, we are going to be diving into this series then, and we are going to be taking some time to understand more about who Jesus is and what he is called. And honestly, when we talk about this, I want to make sure we're in the right headspace. I want to make sure we have the right understanding about why we're talking about what Jesus is called. Because you might be sitting here, and you might be like, well, it's Jesus. That's his name. That's what matters the most. But just like for myself, if I was to go to a family gathering, and honestly, I actually, he's here right now. I could tell you who would tell me at the first. My uncle, if I show up to a family gathering, walk up to him, he will look at me. First thing he's going to say, hey, Cabe, how's it going? And my name's Caleb. But in my family, if you show up to a family gathering, I'm going to be called Cabe, C-A-B-E, real quick. I can't fully describe to you why But in in the house, when the family's gathered, and I am called Cabe, it all makes sense for some reason. You see, we all have these nicknames that we end up being given. We have things that we might be called. Maybe it's something where it was just somebody threw it out there one time and it just stuck, and people are like, that makes sense. Or maybe it's something that you've done or something that you do where people look and say, that trait about you, that's a nickname about you now. It's something you're going to be called and referred to. Here's the interesting thing, though. When we're called those things in a different context, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. I remember when I was in middle school, one thing that I wanted more than anything was I wanted all of my friends to call me Cabe. Because I was like, I like my nickname. I want to be called that. You know what none of them ever called me? Cabe. None of them did it. Why? They didn't get it. It wasn't something that related to them. It's something that in my family I'm still called to this day. But when you know the context, it just starts to seem right. You see, during this series, what we're doing is we're looking and we're understanding more about who Jesus is by seeing him in the context of which he was referred to it. We're looking to realize more about who he is and what he does, and actually not just what he does, but what he has done for us. That's what we get to see during this series. And so although I can't explain to you why I am called Cabe, I can explain to you some things about why Jesus is called what he is called. And so today to kick us off, I want to look at Isaiah 9-6, the very verse that we are basing this entire series off of. We are looking at Isaiah 9-6, and it reads like this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so today to kick us off in the Advent season, I'm going to actually start right before those names. And we're going to talk about how Jesus is called son. But first, let me pray for a moment for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. God, just the honor that we have to be able to gather in your name and in this place, Lord Jesus, we just pray right now that we would just give you the glory that you deserve. That God, as we dive into your word, you would just bring about clarity. You would help me to get out of the way and you would help our spirits and our hearts to be prepared so that we can receive everything that it is that you have. God, we just ask that during this Christmas season, in a time where family is so important, God, in a time where loved ones are so important, God, in a time where there are so many things that can garner our attention, God, may we first and foremost make sure to put our eyes on you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, may we realize the fullness of who you are. We thank you that you are with us, God. In your name, Lord, we just pray. Amen, amen, amen. So today we are going to talk about how Jesus is called son. We're going to talk about this title and what it is. And today, really, what I want to do for us is I want to take us on a road to be able to see the depth of what happens, the road of Jesus as son, what it meant for him to what it means for us, and to see how that all starts to come together. So I have three stops we're going to make. Sound good? Nice, good deal. And if it doesn't, here's the great thing. I got the mic for at least like 30 more minutes, so we'll roll with it anyways, all right? We're going to start on the road, and we are going to go. The first thing is this. When we start to talk about Jesus being called son, we have to realize that God sent his son. To realize Jesus is called son, we have to realize that God sent his son. In John 3.16, which for some of you, maybe you know this verse. If you don't, it's one that's really core to many believers and Christians. It reads like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's easy to have the most fundamental things become so fundamental, we don't realize how valuable they are it can get to a spot that it becomes so common that we don't realize how radical it is. God sent his son. I want you to think about the thing that you value the most in this world. I want you to think of like an item. I don't want you to think about a relationship or a person even. I just want you to think about a possession. I want you to think about that thing and then think about someone who is in your life that is the most ungrateful to you. The most ungrateful and now think about having it where you have to give that thing up for them. I just you for many of you in here, maybe you have a house, maybe you have a retirement, maybe you have different things that you really value and care about, whatever it may be. Let's just even say it's a home that you live in that you lay your head down in. And looking and saying, give that up for what? For the person who's what? Gonna be the least grateful, the least thankful. And now raise it to looking and saying, now imagine it's your child. And you're looking and saying, For that kind of relationship, I will give this up. That's what God did. The story of Scripture is a story of humanity running away from God and God continuing to open the door of possibility for us to step back into relationship. When it says that God so loved the world, he sent his son, the so loved is so important. Because he's looking and he's saying, despite every reason he didn't need to, he loves So he sent. That matters. He sent his son knowing what? That we weren't even going to always be that grateful for it. That what? We wouldn't do the things that we were asked to do. But he did it so what? We would not perish. It was for our benefit. It was for us that God sent his son. But if we don't realize that he sent his son and we just turn Jesus into this kind of ominous thing of like, well, yeah, Jesus did good things and yeah, he died for my sins and all these things. He had to choose to be sent. God sent his son. That matters. During this whole season, if there's one thing that you get, I really just would love for you to reflect on that. God sent his son for you. He sent his son even if no one would choose to follow. Why? Because he cares to give the option, the opportunity for restoration of relationship because he wants to walk with you even if you don't want to. He's looking and saying, here's the open door if you want it. I'm here for you, but he's not going to force you. So he sent his son. You see, when we talk about God sending his son, I always love to look at Matthew chapter three. Matthew three thirteen through 17 is Jesus's baptism. And it reads like this Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. See, this is a verse that's easy for us to read by really quickly, but I want you just to realize the depth of what the Scripture is showing us and what Paul later on in the epistles starts to reemphasize for us. You see, we end up reading the Apostle Paul. He says that Jesus did not count himself greater than us, so he actually, for the lack of better words, emptied himself of his, you want to think about this, like his godly powerness. And he empties himself of that why so that he would be born into this world as a man with every single amount of affliction and trial and temptation that we would face. He didn't consider himself on an upper playing field. We read the gospel so fast that we end up getting to when Jesus is 30 and we end up thinking, well, he was the son of God. Obviously he could do that. But in this moment when he is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, it is a moment of partnership where him and the Lord are now walking again in a moment of unity, and he now steps out and does what? Sees the miraculous take place. But then Jesus speaks to his disciples and speaks to us today, and he says, it is good that he went. Why? Because he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. Why? Because he is our example. Why? Because he was someone who was sent into this world with the same things we would deal with, and then he gives us the same support that he received. I just want you to hear this. God didn't send his highly equipped, above all son. He sent his son with his hands behind his back and said, you need to do everything that they've had to go through. God sent his son for you and for me, and he didn't take any easy road in it. But when Jesus is baptized in this moment, we are seeing the reality that Jesus has walked as fully God, as fully man. And he gives us that example to this day. We do not worship a God who looked and said, I'll take an upper hand and do some kind of facade. He very much so felt every moment of every day because God sent his son. He sent his son whom he loved. That's what Advent celebrates. The arrival of a king who did not choose to walk with every single privilege he could imagine, but actually looked and said, I will walk hand in hand by your side. God sent his son. So when we realize that God sent his son, what does the son then do? Well, that's the second stop on our road. The son has been sent, so then the son invites us to the family the son invites us to the family. You see the story of scripture as I've already referenced is a journey of God looking to a humanity who have turned from him and time and time again saying, all I wanna do is give you what? Opportunity. I want to give you opportunity to step back in. So the son looks and he invites us to the family. But I think we need to realize something. It's not in part. It's in a radical amount he invites us back in. And we read about it in Galatians three twenty-six to 29. In this passage, it says this. For in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring's heirs according to the promise. Let me explain this a little bit really quick because this passage could be confusing. When we look at this and we look at what it is saying, it says, Sons of God, now let me be clear. The apostle Paul in this moment as he's writing this is not saying, all right, men, listen up what God's done for you. All right, ladies, so if you're with, that's not what he's doing here. You see, what Paul's doing is he is speaking to a church in Galatia that is having an issue of holding prejudice against one another because of social standing circumstance and situations. And he is looking at a church that is in a culture where what? Where the men have all the rights and the authority. They get a birthright. They get an inheritance. They have it where they can be on their own. And it looks to a culture where the women have what? They have nothing unless they are to marry to a family that will give them something through the son that they marry. So why does it say all sons? It's not to exclude the women by any means. It's actually Paul looking and he is saying that through the son, in the eyes of the father, you, so you can understand what I'm saying right now, Galatia, you are all sons, You all have a promise. You all have a birthright. You all have an inheritance. None of you are greater than the other. Why? Because the reason you all get in is because the son looked and he said, you walk under my authority now. God sent his son. The son then looked and gave us all the benefit. The son looked and he said, there is no greater. It's all equal. It's even why you put me on. That's literally what it says here that as you were baptized, you put on Christ. And you might say that sounds weird, but it's like a jacket where you're looking and it's saying, you now walk under this authority. For those of you that went to high school or ended up being like public schools, that sort of a thing, it's going and showing up to a game and they got the letterman's jacket on. And you look around and you end up saying, you don't know their accomplishment, their skill, anything like that. But you say, they're from that school, they play for that team, and there's something about what they're representing. We put on Christ. And we walk in light of him, and it's because the son was sent that the son invites us in. We have the opportunity. This is not a verse that's trying to look and is trying to put down, it's trying to say, it's all level now. It's giving us equity and equality, looking to say, what does the Lord have for us, and how is he walking with us? The son invites us in. I May mean, I just want you to hear this today? And he invites you in and it's not based upon you having earned it. That's what's important to understand. It's not based upon following Jesus as the son is not then looking and saying, so now I must be a perfect son or daughter. It's not saying you now got your garment you can put on and you can see if you can earn all the things. It's looking and saying, what did Christ do? You get to wear that. The Father now sees you through what Jesus has done. The Son invites you in. So, if God sent His Son and the Son invites us to the family, we then need to realize what we have to do if we're in the family. So it's simple. Our third stop is this we follow the Son. We look to the one who's given us the invitation. I don't know about you guys. When I, go to, when I go to family gatherings with my wife's family, especially for like the first couple of years, you know what I would do? I'd have my eyes on her, not just because I thought she was pretty or that sort of a thing, but because I was like, how am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do right now? You walk into a gathering and you're sitting there and you're looking and you're like, okay, do I, do I joke around about this right now? That was the hardest one for me. I'll be quick trying to throw a joke back out. And then you got to realize what family members, like, do you actually joke back at? And which family members, like, they can give a joke, but they can't take a joke. And you got to just, like, leave it. And you're like, laugh at me. It's okay. Right? That's sort of a thing. I would look at my wife and I would say, what am I supposed to do? Because I was brought into this family by you. So I want to make sure I know how to operate within this family. I want to know how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to be. And none of us would say that's a weird thing because it's not looking to her and saying, hey, well, you know, I'm just who I am. It's me saying, no, I want to be a part of your family. I want to find how I should operate. We follow the son because the son is the one that extended us the opportunity. So how do we follow him? Well, really, there's just three things. And you might say, Caleb, this is so basic. This is so simple. But can I just tell you, if you do it, it's life changing. The three things are this, we follow him by following his practices, his teaching, and his faith. We follow his practices, his teaching, and his faith. And you might say, man, I just wish, I wish during Christmas we got some deeper messages. I wish we got some things about stuff that's more difficult. Can I tell you, this is some of the most difficult things for us to ever apply in our lives. How do we follow his practices, his teaching, his faith? But you need to follow all three. You need to look at the depth about how Jesus walked. I've had times, again, where I've been at family gatherings where I might have it where I said the right thing, but then I'm sitting on my phone. And my wife will like elbow me. and I'll be like, I was participating in the conversation. And she's like, hey, they don't like when you're on your phone. I'm like, I, I now know. Didn't do that this year. I might have. I didn't at the important moments. But. There's a difference between just following one or two and following all three. So follow his practices. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Jesus went to those who were rejected by society, and he said, I invite you to the table. He went to those who walked in pride and arrogance about their lives, and what did he do? He corrected them. What did Jesus do? What was his practices? He sat down with people for meals and talked and had community and life with them. He looked to 12 disciples and said, come and follow me. Why? I will give you my time. There's an investment Jesus was willing to make through his practices that matter for us. Jesus knew the word. He went and he would take time to pray. He would take time to serve. His practices matter. His teachings matter too. What did Jesus have to say? There's times that people will say actions speak louder than words, but words are pretty loud too. As we look at this, what would he say? How are we supposed to operate? How should I act? If you want to have a good starting spot, go to Matthew chapter 5. Start reading through the Sermon on the Mount and see what he has to say. He has some great teachings. Are you willing to follow him? There's a part of that we have to realize. And the third one, which I actually want to hang on for just a moment, we need to follow his faith. And it's easy for us at times to think that Jesus didn't have to have faith. But as we look at his life and his story, he very much so did. You see, Jesus goes and he's baptized. And it's the start of his ministry as he goes out. And he starts to see more and more of the miraculous take place. He starts to teach with his great wisdom and all of these things. He's speaking to what God has But a story, and if you've been around BCA for a while, you've heard me reference it, but I just think it's so important for us to reflect on because it's one of the most personal moments we see of Christ is we end up seeing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's the night that he's going to be portrayed. For those of you who don't know, Jesus was born into this world not with a purpose just to live, but actually to live the life we were meant to and then to die the death we were meant to. He ended up doing all the hard work and then paid the hard punishment. And before Jesus dies, he's in this garden, and he goes to his disciples. He asks them to pray for him. They all fall asleep. It actually feels comedic with how it ends up being written, that they just can't be there for their friend in this moment. But he goes, and he starts to pray. And he goes, and he's praying to the Father. And he says, he asks him to take this cup. He's talking about the sacrifice he's going to make. He says, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. That's faith. That's having the hard conversation. That's taking the time to look to God and to say, God, what I'm walking through is not easy. Help me to get through it, but not my way, yours. That's faith that what? That he is going to get him through, even when it's the most difficult of circumstances. If you look at Jesus' teachings and his practices and think it leads to an easy life, then you have missed the faith that he had to walk through and the trust he had to have. We follow his faith. We follow his willingness to look to the Father and say, what is it that you have so for us to understand Jesus being called son, there's great things to know about him, but here's what we're realizing today. It actually does so much for us. Because he is our model and our example, and he has been the only way we can get back to the father. As I get ready to close out today, I think it's important that we reflect on a verse as we get to the end of this road. 1 Corinthians 15:28. It says this, and this is speaking about Jesus having done all the things that he is to do and all of this. It says this, when he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Now this is a quick verse, and it's one that I want to explain Paul's looking and he's saying, when Jesus has fulfilled all that it is to do, and he has been given all of the authority and all of the ability, what's he going to do? He lays it back down. And he gives it to the Father. And he looks and he says, what has happened now? It has all gotten back to where it's supposed to be. So as we go and we put on Christ as we go and we walk in light of what Jesus has for us, as we start to look and to follow after him and he looks and he says, I have all of this for you. In the end, what is it? We have returned to where we were always meant to be. That's what Jesus as the son means for you and me. It means that he's paid the price. He's done the sacrifice. He's given us the example and he has now brought us back to where we're always meant to be. If I was to sum this message up in just one sentence, it would be this Jesus, as the Son, invites us back into the fullness of the family. You're not partially in, you're not kind of back with God. You're not two steps away because you still now need to act right to be able to get everything He has. He has invited you back into the fullness of the family are you willing to walk in light of the identity you've now received in Christ? That's what it is that he's done. He's given us a full invitation. And so today as we prepare to close, I want to invite you just to stand with me. Whenever we gather Whenever we gather and we hear the word, we have to recognize something that we don't believe that we are here just to hear good works and talks and life lessons and that sort of a thing. That's not my goal. My goal is not to get up here and to inspire you. My goal is not to motivate you. My goal is not to step up here and to say, wow, Caleb had great things to say. My hope, my prayer as every pastor here is that you would see what the living word of God has said for so long and the truth that it still speaks today. So when we gather, there's always a response we can make because God always has more to say. And maybe you've walked with Jesus for many, many years and you might look and you say, I've known he's the son of God. But have you realized that he now invites you to be a son as well? that he invites you to be a child once again, to look to your father with full hope and expectancy that he has so much for you. That he hasn't looked at you as a half child now in the family. He looks and says, you have all the right, all the inheritance, all the authority, all the ability. You don't need to sit there as a stranger. I remember one of the best moments that happened for myself and also a great moment that happened for my wife is when we sat down with our families, I realized this is not everyone's experience. But for us, when we got to sit down with our new families and we got married and they look and they say, welcome to the family and you sit there and it's almost like for a while you have to convince yourself you're really a part, but then they start to walk it out and you realize, no, 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 I, I'm a son. She's a daughter. They're walking in light of that love by people. Why? Because they've been welcome to the family. you are a son and a daughter of God. And he has so much more for you than you could ever imagine. In a few moments, I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna have the prayer team come down here, but we're also gonna take a moment to worship. Why? Because God is worthy of our praise. There's something about when we praise and we start to sing out, that starts to shift things in our heart. It starts to shift things. As we start to sing out, maybe for some of you, you've had times where you're sitting there and you're like, I can't can't say thank you, Jesus, because things don't feel good right now. But maybe it's your garden moment where you're looking and you're saying, not my will, but your will be done. I thank you for whatever's going to take place here because God, I know it's worth it. That's walking with what? Christ on your shoulders in light of what he's done. And so like a youth pastor would, I wanna invite you really quick just to close your eyes and bow your heads. And it's not more spiritual, it's not because it was outlined as like a holy commandment when we respond to a message, it's a moment of privacy between you and the person next to you. And I want to take a moment just to give you an opportunity to acknowledge to the Lord what it is He's calling you to today. And so the first thing is this, I think for some of you in here, there's a reality that maybe you've never walked with Jesus before, or maybe you have, but you've walked away because you thought you weren't doing good enough and you don't think you're worthy enough. You don't think you're able to. And you looked and you said, I just, I've walked away. But but today you're realizing that you're able to be called back. And in this moment, you're saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. God, as we begin this Advent season, I want to realize the fullness of who this Jesus is. And today you want to reach out and say, God, grab my hand and let's walk together. If if that's you today, I'm going to count to three and you can raise a hand. I want to pray with you. If that's you today, you want to start to walk with Jesus for the first time in a, or for a new time. If that's you, in the count of three, one, two, three, just raise a hand. Just raise a hand up. Lord Jesus, right now, we just thank you for what it is you're doing, God. Lord, we thank you for the hands that are raised, God, for the clothing of Christ that is upon their shoulders, for the reality of identity, that it is not through their works, God, but it is through the reality of the work that you have already done that they now walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the example of being a child of God and that they can walk in light of that as well today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can place your hands down. The second group I just want to pray for today is there's an amount of this message that you're hearing and there's a part of you that's feeling conflicted in it. It might even be that there's a part of you that's like, man, I don't want to hear about this again. I didn't want to hear about this stuff to do again. I didn't want to hear about these things to respond to again. But you're feeling that because you realize that it's God wanting to push you not to fall down, but push you to be closer to him. And today you're saying, Caleb, I don't think I'm going to be perfect at it, but I'm going to start trying to walk in the example of the Son. And I'm going to do my best. And Father, I need your hand to help carry me through. Today you're saying, I need to start walking in light of Him. If that's you, just on the count of three, raise a hand. You want that strength. You want that ability. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise a hand. You want to walk in light of what He has for you. Yes, Jesus. God, right now, we just thank you for the fact that you are moving and you are working, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray right now that past experiences would not fuel a doubt for the ability to live as you have called them to, God. That past failures would not make them think that they are not worthy or able, but that they would realize that, God, in your power and your strength, all things are possible and they can walk in light of you, God. Wash over them and be with them in this moment, Lord Jesus. We just thank you and we praise you. Amen, amen. I'm gonna invite the prayer team down. And the song we're going into is, thank you, Jesus, is thank you, Jesus. Have to clarify, I've got to double check. But it's an opportunity for us, not just to say words, but to truly praise and to worship and to say, Jesus, we thank you for what it is you have, what it is you're doing. And so I want to pray for us as we enter into this song, but I want to encourage you, don't move on to the next thing yet. Don't move on to the next thing yet. In this moment, let's worship him for who he is. We had worship at the start of service. This is it now too. Jesus right now, we thank you that you are good and that you are great and that you are mighty and that you are the son who has invited us to walk with you and to be with you, God. We just ask right now that you would just go ahead of this week, God, ahead of this Christmas season. Distractions would be away and we would have our eyes on you to say, thank you, Jesus, for all it is that you have, for all it is that you will do. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. In your name, Jesus, we thank you. Amen, amen.